Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to welcome Marianne Costello, honest, direct, enthusiastic, fun-loving. Marianne, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Super. Good to get a hold of you finally. We have listeners that certainly need help in a lot of areas, and, and your business is probably ideal for you know companies that are starting out and uh, have no idea how to do social media or maybe have no idea how to do computers. <laughs> could be could be that low tech uh, or very little about computers. So your background with VAs, folks that can help virtual online assistants can be a, a real boon for all of us. And I'm using one right now. So uh, I know they're good. Let, let, let's, let me just ask you, Marianne, let's go way back. I know I was reading a bit of your profile, but when did you get bitten by the entrepreneurial bug? And we're trying to pick people's brains to figure out, well, how can I start thinking like, like an entrepreneur? So where, where did all your excitement start? That's a large topic, right? How do you think like an entrepreneur? But, but this start from your childhood. What uh, were the first uh, things you started to do entrepreneurial? That uh, You know, in, in hindsight, I realized that I have the type of brain that sees a problem, and I, mm-hmm. I can't shut off the part of me that finds solutions to everything. What a great thing to have. Yeah. Sometimes it is, except when sometimes somebody's picking my brain or they have too many problems, I can get exhausted because I can't shut it off. So Overload. How to, kind of manage that. But from my entrepreneurial background, I've been self-employed successfully for over 30 years now. And it's interesting because I do get interviewed a lot as an expert. And it's interesting to think about my own history. So pretty much, you know, I started fixing things when I was young. It started actually with a story with my, my mom having a broken drawer in the kitchen and always asking my father to fix it. And he would always go, yeah, 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 in a minute, later, whatever. And I got sick of my mother kvitzing about this so I went and found a screwdriver and pulled out the drawer and tried to fix it and then my dad goes get out of there I'll fix it and I realized that's how I can get my dad to do things is try and get in there and do it myself but then I ended up uh, it actually started by being robbed at gunpoint is that I was working at a self-service gas station back in the 70s to make some money while I was going to college And I thought, well, this is a great little job to have because I'm studying and I can sit in that glass booth and study when there's no customers and then just collect the money. And so it worked out pretty well. The people who managed these gas stations saw my talent and they started grooming me for management. I was only 17, 18 years old and I I was going to college and I was very, very bright. I got gifted with a great brain. I was senior class president, varsity captain, managed the school store, had a job, had a license, had a car, you know, at 16 years old. So I was one of those overachievers, exactly. So um, I have a very strong work ethic. And so I was going to college going, you know what, I think I'm too mature for this. I actually left college with a 4.0 and much to the chagrin of all the people around me. Now that I'm older, I understand why. But at the time, it seemed like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this. So the people at the gas station business said, you know, we'll give you a job in management. And the manager actually had an apartment that he had done over down to the studs that he was looking to rent. And I said, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's time. So I was 17 and I had a job in management and I had my own apartment. So uh, from there, things were good. And then they promoted me to management in the gas station business. And I was traveling around. I had a company car. I would travel around to other gas stations managing them. And one station I had to manage because somebody was out. I ended up getting robbed at gunpoint during the gas crisis. They had put a sign over the the gas price at the end that said no gas and uh, proceeded to rob me at gunpoint. So from there, I thought, well, you know, I don't think I want to stay here because Mm -hmm. it's a risky proposition. So my dad said, why don't you try and get a job at the post office? He was a letter carrier for 35 years. So I took the civil service exam several times. I got like 95 on the first one and still didn't get in. So I took it a few more times, finally get up to 100 on the test. And then I did finally get a job at the post office. Shortly after I was working at the post office, one of my girlfriends said to me, well, why would you pay rent if you could own a house? And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you work at the post office back then, 30-something years ago. 
I was making over $10 an hour, which was... It was a good job. Yeah, it was phenomenal back then. And it was civil service. I couldn't get fired. Mm -hmm. So she said, no bank will say no because you can't get fired, right? And so I said, well, what the heck? I might as well try it. So I went back to my mother's house and started looking through the paper and said, I'm going to buy a multifamily house where the two people, you know, if it's a three-family, two people pay rent and then I could live in the other one. Well, I looked and I went out and applied myself and I found something. And I ended up buying a three-family house. By then, I was 19 years old, and I was a landlord. So I'm in there for a little bit, and I'm going, this isn't bad. You know, it's interesting. And I had a tenant move out, and I said, well, gee, I wonder if I spend some money and I fix up the apartment, can I increase the rent? And then how long does it take me to pay back the money that I spent? Seemed like a pretty good arrangement. And so I borrowed money on a credit card. And I fixed up the apartment. And I got to tell you, I, I probably had that money on a credit card for six months. That felt like an eternity to me at 19 years old, taking on debt. It wasn't kind of how I was raised. And the 20% interest was hurting, too. Exactly. <laughs> so it worked out that all my friends were going on cruises and buying new cars, and I had debt. And I was like, wow, that feels funky. But it got me going because then once the bridge was built and the loan was paid off, and I was making more money, I think that's when entrepreneurship hit me. Because I was like, you can do math equations. And some people say, you know, I've been very lucky. And I said, well, if you actually know me, I just have an ability to take calculated risks. I don't always win. Because I, I always say it's not what you know that gets you, it's what you don't know that gets you, right? But I've I've won a lot more than I've lost. I am sitting here in a lovely recliner chair in a penthouse condo looking at the ocean. Did something, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. And I look at other people who didn't take a risk because they're afraid to fail maybe sometimes. And you can only get so far with that. So, you know, as time has gone on, you know, self-employment has peaks and valleys. And I used to get badges that would say, celebrating your fifth year in business. And I'd go, they want something from me, throw them in the trash. Celebrating your 10th year, celebrating your 50th year. And then one day I realized, man, when I look at somebody who's been self-employed for any length of time, I revere them. And then I started thinking, wait, wait a minute, I'm one of those people now. So it kind of was a an awakening of kind of saying, I'm actually doing all right with this stuff. And like I said, it goes up and down and you have to plan for that. I'm not the type who hits pay dirt, everything's going well, and then I go buy all kinds of crazy stuff. I kind of, I, I ended up with 20 units of real estate by my early 20s because I hit a real estate boom where that property went from 43000 to 143000 in like a few years. On 10 or 20 of them, that's nice. So then I took the money out and did the same math equations saying, well, I could just add water to this and make more money. So I think that's how I elevated to getting into a penthouse oceanfront. But, you know, like I said, it's some of it's good, some of it's bad. So I learned that, you know, when you have property, you could be doing well, but then a roof needs repair or windows need to be replaced. And so, you know, you do well and then you're not doing well because you need to spend money on things. So... I kind of have a, a limitation on how how wild I'll get with my funds, which probably serves me well so that you can ride the uptimes and ride the downtimes. And now I live by a saying that I said, well, you know what, here's where I am now is I'm actually unemployable because I have no tolerance for workplace things. Now, when I say my wasted time thing, exactly, I said, uh, here's my philosophy of life. I said, my cow died, so I don't need your bull. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How I live, right? That, you know, I, I love self-employment. I love entrepreneurship. I work with business people all the time. I can live by demands and stuff, but they're all my own. Some people say, how do you do that? You know, working at home, don't you, don't you want to turn on the TV or whatever? And I said, you know, bottom line is, is that when you're successful in business and you have good work ethics, the demand for the business makes me get up out of bed. I have responsibilities. I have things I have to do, deadlines I have to meet. The inbox is always full. The phone is always ringing. And so I've been blessed that way with some success. So it just I get out of bed and I just work when I have to. On your own terms. On my own terms. Right. And so I think probably for somebody like myself as an entrepreneur, I think probably what frustrates me in, in corporate America is when it goes too slow. Like if I'm going to work, I work hard and I play hard. So if I'm working, I'm really not goofing off. I'm very focused on what's the challenge at hand? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? I'm very focused on that. And even that way with my clients, I love doing that. I was saying recently that I, I it's like Monopoly to me and I love to play to win. 
And what I love to do is bring all my friends with me and have all my friends winning too. So I love sharing what I've done over 30 years and the experience I have running the business I have right now, the Virtual Assistant Collaborative. I talk to great business owners all day long, passionate entrepreneurs who have great talents, great ideas. And then I have a philosophy that says nobody is an expert at everything. And that is the number one biggest mistake I see people trying to do in entrepreneurship is they try and be an expert at everything. And there's like a flaw in that logic process is that you may think, well, let me try and figure out how to build a website. Let me try and figure out how to do social media. And that's not you're not making any money and you're certainly not saving any money. Well, yes, if you go out of your expertise and you're making a dollar an hour, it's probably not a good idea if you're a expert at law and you could make $500 an hour. Exactly, exactly. You got that. And so sometimes we don't really stop and think about that. And so I call people who try and do everything themselves, they're really more like employeepreneurs. They bought themselves a job is what they did. I got you. An entrepreneur says, I have a talent, I have a gift, I have a great idea. This is something that solves a problem for people or transforms their lives in some way, and people will pay for this. Okay, good, I'm on to something. So how do I make this a business, and how do I price it correctly that I can sell enough of these to also pay for the help that I need? And the people who follow that model get much further than somebody that tries to do everything themselves. So when you see it and you really get the entrepreneur mindset, I call it the CEO mindset. Then you say, okay, that's a rabbit hole. Anytime you try and do something yourself or figure things out, that's a rabbit hole. The next problem that comes in is, okay, well, that would be great. I get it. But where do I find all the people Mm -hmm. who do these things for me? At a decent price. Exactly. So that's the, the problem that I saw when I was traveling in the circles of coaches, speakers, experts, I'd say that everybody would tell you, oh, don't worry about that. Hire a virtual assistant to do it. Hire a virtual assistant to do it. Or they call them VAs, not from the VA administration, but a virtual assistant. And then people would be like, okay. And then it was like, where do you get them? And how do you know they're good? And how do you work with them? So when I was back doing the real estate, I actually, um, people loved what I was doing, fixing my apartments over. And they actually asked me if I would help them do it. My girlfriends and stuff, help me wallpaper my kitchen. And I'd say, okay. The next thing you know, I was doing this for profit for people. And I had a all-female construction business because my girlfriend started to help me paint and wallpaper and And then it was like people want us to do that. And the reason why it was so successful was because as women, we would work with other women who were technically the designers of remodeling projects. And they liked the female touch on things. And any job that we did, we cleaned up every night after we left. So if I'm in your home and I'm making a mess out of it, I clean the whole thing up before we leave. People just loved that. And I was somewhat of a perfectionist. So... And then that just grew wildly out of control. And I was like, I was putting on $50,000 additions in people's houses. And I go, what am I doing? I don't want to be doing this. And while I was doing that, I had to do bookkeeping for that stuff, you know, create invoices and that kind of stuff. And I actually got audited by the IRS three years in a row. And that was such a frustrating process. They didn't get anything on me. I actually, on my third audit, I sent my accountant in. And I got IRS immunity because he said they can't audit you for three years in a row and not get anything from you. That would be considered harassment. So in the middle of that, I had started a bookkeeping service to help other small business owners. Because you saw the pitfalls and and what to do to avoid them. Exactly. Technically, that was a virtual assistant, right? We didn't call him that back then. And then I had a whiplash accident. You know, it's always the thing of things are going great and then something hits you down. I had a terrible whiplash accident. Somebody ran into me about 50 miles an hour and blew out the discs in my neck. I tell people I got terminal illness during that period because sitting behind the terminal made me ill because I couldn't hold my head up. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And at that time, people would always ask me, well, how do you do this? And how do computers work? And what's going on? And I thought, gee, maybe I could teach the stuff. So I got some opportunities to speak and train. And then I realized this is great, except when I'm speaking, I'm not selling the next job. And it turned into roller coaster income. So I hired a broker, a training broker, to sell the jobs. They sell the jobs and then hire trainers to do it and take a fee out of the middle. 
that was one of the most difficult things because it's like, well, you're not making enough money right now anyway, and then you're paying somebody else to do things. But that was the best decision I ever made because even in the bottom of the recession, I was making a high six-figure income. So the system was working. The system works, right? And so they were good at what they did. I'm good at what I do. It's the collaboration of experts together, people who like doing what they're doing. They do what you don't like doing, right, or you're not good at doing. And then I built the virtual assistant collaborative around those principles where the virtual assistants actually pay the bulk of my fee because in order to keep getting the work, they need somebody who's going to sell it for them. Oddly enough, throughout my career, the selling part was the part I didn't like the most. And now I ended up in the position where I'm selling it because it actually doesn't really feel like selling to me, Ken. I mean, I started my business. I opened the doors. I did a sponsorship at a large business event, and my phone has been ringing off the hook ever since. And I follow all the principles of online marketing, and I do the the foundation laying and social media and run campaigns and ask for referrals and get all of this. And, you know, I get people booking appointments with me that I have no idea where they come from. But if you didn't, if someone didn't like the selling, they could hire a virtual assistant for that. They can. There's, it's a little bit sticky on the selling part of things because ultimately people buy me and they buy what I'm offering them. So when it comes to closing the deal or doing the real sales presentation, if Mm -hmm. you will, it has to come from me. But what virtual assistants can do is do all of the administrative stuff that brings people to you and brings warm people to you. You know, the selling part is the part that I find is the hardest thing for people to do. So many people have a gift They can create products. They can Mm -hmm. hire virtual assistants to do things. But ultimately, what they don't like doing is selling because it feels like selling. For me, it never feels like selling. So the trick is to get people coming to you who are like pre-qualified. They're already vetted that they need what you're offering, right? So if you, you know, help people after a divorce, let's say, let's say you've got some kind of therapy background or something and you've or even a lawyer right I know lawyers who have started business like this if you're in law for divorce things you see how painful this is you've worked with hundreds of clients you have some kind of expertise about this divorce is a very painful process people are pretty badly bruised when they come out of a divorce and do you want to sit there and waste years of your life or would you like somebody to help you figure out how to heal from this Get back on your feet financially and emotionally and have enjoyment in the rest of your life. If somebody's got a skill at that, they say, okay, what we need to do is find people who are suffering from the pains of divorce. It's not all that hard to do. And if you can get in front of those people and present something in a marketing savvy way that makes somebody go, oh, that is me. That is what I'm thinking. And yeah, that's a compelling point that I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. What are you offering? Offer them something tangible. Reach out the hand where you can help them. People pay for solutions every day of the week. So if it's something that is presented in the right way, presented to the right audience, and you follow the principles of influence and marketing, people will pay you to help them get over that rough patch in their lives so they're not wasting years of life. And that's kind of how it's done. Whatever your talent is, you have to get matched up with the people who need you. So how do we find all the people who are suffering from a divorce? There's many ways to do that. And virtual assistants can do that and help you get in front of people who are feeling that way. Once you get all those people who are feeling that way, the idea is, is get people to talk to you or come to your website, or watch a video that you've made, and then, you know, have a clear call to action with the offer that you're extending your hand with. You have to invite them to work with you and show them, you know, to how to trust you that they will actually get the transformation that you're promising. But what I love, too, about what you're saying is, is that when you create inbound calls specifically for what you do, the closing ratio and the resistance is almost null and void, where if you're outbound, you're interrupting someone else's life, and that's a whole different kind of selling that's a killer. <laughs> exactly. that's, that's a big distinctive point, and I actually have coaching on that too, is that we're in a society now where 
you know, we used to jump across the couch to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, no, somebody wants to talk to me. we got to jump across the couch. Now we're in a thing of don't bother me. I can't be bothered. Telemarketers are the worst part of the world. And oh, the phone's ringing, the email's going, I don't want to answer it. Now we feel like we are interrupting people if we call them or ring their doorbell or do something, right? Exactly. But here's the thing. If you were that woman, let's say, or that man who is, you know, sitting on the couch and feeling all kinds of lonely and devastated about your life falling apart, and the phone rings and it says, hi, I'm Ken Queen, and we're reaching out today because a lot of my customers, people that are suffering from a divorce and they're worrying how to get their life back on, if you started with the right thing and that person was sitting there, they would be so grateful that you called them. Right. What are the odds of that in an outbound situation? (laughs) Well, if we know who those people are. Yes, that's true. If we could narrow it down to the right list. And that's the whole thing now. The Internet makes this really easy if you know how to play the game, because a person who's suffering that way, chances are they're going to hit Google and they're going to start typing some stuff in. Right. Yeah. Long long tail problems. Exactly. Perhaps they have a Facebook account and they're looking for company or socialization on Facebook. Mm -hmm. What if they saw an ad that said the right thing and they clicked on it for something free when they click on it for something free? They give you the email address that says, I'm interested in that free thing. So if that free thing is positioned correctly and that ad was placed correctly and that person clicked on it and was saw the risk of giving their email address low enough to get to the carrot that was on the other side, now you know that person is interested in what you're offering. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that that's the person you want. <laughs> no exactly. Doubt. So how hard is it to find somebody who's in that position? Again, if you, like you say, if you narrow down your clientele far enough and it's so specific, your solution, when you aver- if you were to advertise with uh, different Google ads or whatever you use, AdWords, and a person calls you, they are in the mood when they call you. They specifically have that problem you can solve, and it's a, a customer made in heaven. It is. And so here's the thing is that there's 1.35 billion people on Facebook. There's a lot of people. There's a 65% divorce rate, right? So there's a lot of people out there that fit that market. And this is just one thing that we're talking about. So it's strategy about really defining who is your client. Where are they? How do we reach them? What kind of things do they say? What are they worried about? What are they willing to pay for? And then you position it correctly and you will get matches, right? And then when you deliver it, well, and their buddy gets divorced, and you incentivize them to tell their buddy about the thing that they did that helped them get over the hump. There's a lot to it. This is just one thing that we're talking about. But, you know, I love doing it because pick any topic and I can figure out how to master this. Like I said, it's like monopoly to me of knowing all the resources at my fingertips, watching the expert virtual assistants that I work with every day, how they do this. And what I've actually done is I've realized that people, I have all these virtual assistants that are experts at what they do, and they can really make business owners quite wealthy by honing in on all this stuff. And then I find people don't know what to tell the virtual assistants to do because they don't have the information themselves. So what I ended up doing was I created a program that shows people with some kind of talent. Now, here's the thing. People that have worked in corporate America for a long time you have a talent. Yes. You've just been doing it for somebody else's profit. But you have the talent. You're the man. You're the woman, right? And so if that's something you still enjoy, if you've retired or you got displaced from corporate America or something, you have a gift. You can even either take some inventory from that gift and parlay it into some other gift, not necessarily exactly what you were doing in corporate America, but something else that you found enjoyment in. If you're good at something, you know, they always say that a, a fourth grader is an expert to a third grader. Yeah, he's one, one lesson ahead. Exactly. <laughs> so if you have some gift that other people have been paying for in corporate America, then you just have to go find out these people who want to get it from you, not from a business company, you know, a big company. So I, ha- I started a program that my advertising says with a gift – or a genius zone and zero technical ability, you could uh, have a business and get it off the ground. 
So how that works, and then what we do is we sell your programs first to get the money in hand, and then we use that money to pay virtual assistants to actually build it for you. Nice. So you create the income before you hire the virtual assistant. Exactly. It's a way to get your clients to pay you to create programs that you can sell over and over and over again. So you're you're basically test marking out there. You first of all get some grasp of what people want in a particular field, and then you go and test something. Okay, let's see if people want resume writing for accountants or you know some specialized field or for attorneys, and you go out there and test it. And if you get a good response, now you can hire the team to make this whole specialty work. Exactly. So, and that's all it is, is that what's your gift? What's your genius zone? I offer complimentary calls for people. They talk to me for 30 minutes complimentary. I will spin this and figure out how to get this to be something that can be monetized and Mm -hmm. then show them ways that they can do this. And you don't have to be an expert at anything. But now the course that I offer, it's an eight-week course. It's six modules of content. And the way that I am is I've been doing this for 30 years. Like I said, I can't stand corporate meetings and don't waste two hours of my time if you're not giving me information. So Mm -hmm. it's a very laser-focused like 30 years into an eight-week course, actually six weeks of content. The other two weeks are live question and answers with me. So you'll do three weeks of content, and then there's easy questionnaire, fill-in-the-blank things. I'm going to ask you pointed questions of the information that we need to know. Just fill in the blank. And then you do six of those. After the first three, you check in with me. We do a live Q&A. I stay on the call and answer everything that you need specific to you until we're done. And then there there might be other people on the call so you can benefit from what they're asking also. Those are awesome experiences. And so then we send you back on the next three. Then we do another live Q&A. Where'd you go? How's everything going? Everybody who takes the program signs up for virtual assistance in the middle. I thought they would wait till the end and then try and sell the program. They're like, I get it. I love it. It's phenomenal. Let's just get the show on the road. Let's get the party started. So it's really quite extraordinary, and I love doing that for people. I love saying, you know, if you got something that's a gift. I recently, it just ended, but I was in a year-long program called Stand, Speak, and Profit. And the reason why I joined the program was for the stand piece. They had me at stand. It was uh, an event that I went to that it was like, what's important to you? What matters? And it was some mindset work. They had some great coaches there that would say, no, not what you tell everybody, not what your superficial conversations are about. What's behind that thing that you say? Why does that matter to you? Right. And it was really great because I found that the world today, we don't communicate the way we should. People are kind of shut in. They're afraid that topics are polarized and they don't want to get out there and say stuff. And yet the world is so hungry to listen to somebody that will tell it like it is, tell it from the heart, be bold. If you're feeling like the world is broken, tell me why you think the world is broken. You know, have an opinion, be respectful. And the rest of that program was speak from a stage and learn how to profit with these opinions and ideas and gifts that you have. It was a phenomenal program because it was like an awakening of going, you know what? If you have something to say, it's your legacy. If you have a gift, it's your legacy. To think that you went through 50 years on the planet and sharpened your skill or got all of this wisdom and maturity and you keep it all to yourself, shame on you. Absolutely. And that could be anything, Field. I mean, you could have been a plumber for 30 or 40 years, but you have some value. You think, well, what good am I? I can't go out and do the work anymore. My knees are gone or whatever. And and you discount what you've learned. Well, I mean, how many young kids want to be plumbers? You know, like the the golf pro. You don't golf anymore, but you can be the, the golf pro. You can be the teacher, right? How many people take golf lessons? That's always an analogy I use is that if you want to learn how to play golf, you don't think twice about hiring a golf coach, right? Give me some lessons. That's the way the world is. Give me some lessons. And the the climate is changing where people are paying other people who have the gift, Right. You don't always have to have some big corporate conglomerate that is the only type of people you want to do business with. It actually sometimes is more advantageous to do it with somebody who gives you more of a personal feel to it. 
So if you're a young kid who thinks you like plumbing, you like putting pieces together and this is of interest to you, and you get somebody who wants to show you the ropes or not only shows you maybe how to do plumbing, but also how to run a plumbing business. And in yes. 50 years I've been doing this, here's all the mistakes I made. Here, take my six-week course and you know don't make all the mistakes I made. Who doesn't want to pay for that? Right. Right. I true. actually tell people that I quit college and got a free college education. And they say, how'd you do that? And I said, because I learned one simple thing that older people want to tell you what they know. So if you just go up to somebody older and you say, can I ask your opinion about something? And then you learn to shut up, let them talk, whether you mm-hmm. like what they say or you don't like what they say, they give you a free college education. Just by asking them their opinion. It's there. Right? There for the asking. And Mm -hmm. it's a benefit to listen to them because they want to talk. So this is just kind of a variation on that, except now you get paid for it, right? Everybody wants to know what they don't know. And the world is hungry for information. Let me ask something defining here. I'm trying to figure out too right now. I realize, okay, so... In real estate terms, you want the highest use for land. In this case, you want the highest use for this plumber, which is probably plumbing. So that is worth, let's say, $80 an hour. And everything else he knows or everything else he needs to know to run this business might be 10 and $20 an hour jobs. Now, that support staff, those virtual assistants you're speaking about, are these uh, from India and uh, other countries, or are you, do you focus more on U.S. Uh, virtual assistants? Here's where I fall on that, is that I do not have anybody from India. I do not have anybody from the Philippines. It's not a model I believe in. It's very okay. hit or miss. What I'm going for is success. Now, time is of the essence. You know, if you need to make $10,000 a month, then every day you need to be making money. If you work with somebody for $5 an hour and save $500 over the course of a job, but it takes longer to do because of time zone things, you really don't know where they are. Their value systems are different. And for me, the change in the dialect is so frustrating for me that it depletes all of my positive energy. The, the, the savings kind of got evaporated. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's not a good value. I focus on value. And, you know, that's a big stumbling point for people because we hear a number and think that's too expensive. And, and really that's not what I focus on is it's a value. For example, I've got copywriters between $50 an hour and $150 an hour. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best value for you is the $150 an hour copywriter. Because it depends on what you're selling. What if you're selling a high-ticket item for $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, and I get somebody who writes copy that blows it out of the water for you, and the copywriting job you know, at $100 more an hour costs $1,000 more? $1,000, that's important. And yet, if the copy sells one or two or ten times more of the programs that you're trying to sell, I didn't do you a service by getting you a $50 an hour copywriter. I've got you. And I am not in the business of saying, well, I could I could talk you into the $150 an hour person and good for me, we make $100 more. That's not how I run. That's not how I make money. I don't make money on those little things like that. There's not enough money in there for me to do that. I look at what makes you successful because when I make you successful, you keep buying my virtual assistants and then that makes my virtual assistant successful and that makes me successful. So my whole business is incentive based. I'm just trying to get you to win. That's what I'm trying to do. And So what's your repeat level on uh, those that have hired your virtual assistants? Oh, God. I've got hundreds of clients. I've had some for several years. They just keep buying hours. So it's very high. It depends on what the job is. Sometimes there are project-based jobs. Like if you need a website built, that's just a website job. So if you're looking for people to you know, do administrative work for you or run campaigns or um, different things, so it all depends. But it's very high. I have a very high success rate because the way my organization is structured that they call me the eHarmony of virtual assistants because I have a very strategic matching process. There are some people who are new to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. They may need somebody who's more gentle with them, somebody who can explain things to them as they go. It's kind of like renting a business partner. There are some people who are like, I've been doing this for so long. I just need somebody to do this task 
And I just want somebody who's direct, gets it done, it's polished, boom, we're in, we're out. So there's different types of people that match with different types of people. Wow. So you do an extensive interview of anyone that wants a virtual assistant, it sounds like. Yes. And so what happens is, is I have my personal guarantee on it. This is my business. You're a client of mine. My name is on the door. So if something goes wrong with a virtual assistant, then that goes to the top of my desk for a day. I walk around with my briefcase all the time. People are like, why do you have that? And I said, because my computer's in here. If anything goes wrong, I stop all the presses where I am and say, okay, what are you working on right now? I'm going to fix that for you. I'm going to get somebody else to get in today and fix that for you. So a lot of my clients, they're doing launches on things, and they need their landing pages done, and they need their back-end systems up to date. If the launch date was already announced so that the show goes on, if something goes wrong with a virtual assistant, that causes a heart attack for my people. So Absolutely. I have what I call SWAT VAs. I've got access to over 4,000 talented virtual assistants that do everything from video editing to copywriting to book publishing to speaker engagement things, uh, whatever you need, anything that can be done virtually, I've got people for. And so if something happens to a virtual assistant, they got in a car accident or something like that, they let me you got a backup. So that all comes to my desk. So I'm here to make people successful and have them feel that confidence in their team that says, we're going big, much bigger than I am. And the show goes on, my name's on the door, and I have to look good. So you have got to have confidence in your team. And I take that, you know, as serious as a heart attack. That's my personal guarantee to people. So, you know, it's a, it's a different type of a service. So now let me just break this down so that everyone has got a grasp of it. You really have two opportunities with you. One is to find the ideal virtual assistant. And the other one is to become one of those ideal virtual assistants. There's that. And then there's the program that I have a program. It runs on special on my webinars for 1997. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Whereas if you've got a gift, come talk to me, see if that's right for you. I offer a free consultation for 30 minutes. And then some, I just sold one this morning. Somebody got into it. If you've got a gift and you're trying to get it done, you take too long. People have these ideas, but then they take too long to get them done. Time is money, right? If it's ten grand a month and you didn't get it done this month, you lost ten grand. You didn't save any money for not yep. doing it. So you might have spent ten. Exactly. So this program gets you to systematically get it out of your brain and onto the paper and it guides you through marketing principles. You're not going to be an expert at anything when you're done with the program, but what you're going to be is a CEO that says, I've got a gift that I can make money at. Here's my genius zone that's downloaded. I can price this appropriately and sell it first and get the money to pay virtual assistants to build it. And then once we get it rolling and launched and we're selling it on autopilot, I've got the whole team that backs it all up for you. Okay. Now, this is a third. This is different from the eight-week course with the six modules, right? Or is it the same course? No, that's the eight-week course with the six modules and the two live Q&As. Oh, okay. So, uh, all right. So there's, there's two things. But I thought you said there's a third thing you were offering. Well, there's, so. there's three things I offer is that if you're a virtual assistant, mm -hmm. I like referrals for that because I broker out talented people. I have clients who need virtual assistants, mm -hmm. so that's the second thing. And the third thing is the program that says if you've got a gift, it's a short $2,000 away, 1997, and then you, you can sell one program and get the money back for the program. And now you'll have this lesson on, it's like a microwave lesson on what's really important to get an online business going. Okay. So, that, okay, developing your expertise is the eight-week, six-module. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I, I was thinking for a second there was another different program. Okay. So they can come to my website, www.thevacollaborative.com, mm -hmm. and you can click on any of the links like Hire a VA or the Contact Us page. And it will take you to the form to fill out to get a, a free consultation with me. And you, if you think you have an idea or you have an idea and you think you need some help, then I'm very friendly to talk to. So let's figure out how we can get you off the ground here. And then um, there's also a link on the right-hand side for a free webinar that's live right now. That right. People can click on that they can watch about what the program's about or they can just call me up and we can discuss what it's about for them and how it would work for them. Do you have an email address you want to use too? Uh, it's just info at the VA collaborative.com. Okay. Uh, and uh, do you want to put a telephone number out or they'll get that on the site? Yeah, they can get that on the site. It's Everything's on there. 
Okay. And honestly, I talk on the phone all day long. It's better to go through the scheduling mechanism. Right. So the lock in the time uh, when they can talk to you. Okay. All right. When you fill out the form, it sends you a link to my calendar to schedule a time with me. Okay. What are some last few minutes uh, of uh, words of wisdom to these uh, baby boomers that want to do something? There's a world out here that I think people don't even realize that exists. It's a fabulous world that I operate in with really bright, passionate people who are friendly and enthusiastic about how everybody can help each other. And if you maybe are retired and feel you have a gift, call me up. And I'll introduce you to this world. And then you can show up at networking events or see what's going on here. Or I'll plug you into some great people to listen to free webinars that they have or something. Take a risk. Life is too short. And, you know, if you've got a gift, I think you should share it. I think it's our responsibility to share it. And I can show you how to monetize that and carve out a nice lifestyle for yourself. Let me just clarify one thing. So I've got this lawyer that's an expert at divorce, and uh, he would like to be used in your virtual assistant program. Is there any cost for him to get involved with you to become a virtual assistant for you? No. How it, how it works, though, is I am technically a broker for virtual assistants. So the okay. same story as I hired a speaking broker. That's what I do for virtual assistants. I've actually had virtual assistants send me gifts and thank you, thank you, thank you, because... I get them clients. They pay a fee off the top for me, but it's great for the end consumer because they're not paying extra for the virtual assistants, and they get pretty much everything I offer, mostly for nothing. Now, if you go out and market that uh, attorney that does uh, does that specialty, do you charge the, him, or, or is there, or, or how do you do it? How do you promote him to get those customers coming to you that will hire him? There's a couple of different things. I'm not quite sure what you're asking. So if, if the attorney wanted mm-hmm. to be a virtual assistant, yes, um, and so that if I know people who need law work, that I could refer the virtual the attorney. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So how that works is um, if I get them jobs. So when I have clients and I say I offer all of these services, if somebody needs lawyer services and that law, I get that lawyer work, then there's a fee out of the middle. Yeah, then, then he pays. But what, how, do you actively go out and promote that particular specialty once he's one of your virtual assistants? No. If, assistant. No. If he was interested in doing that, we could probably put him with other virtual assistants to actually actively participate in marketing him. Okay, so then uh, you would, he would be hiring a virtual assistant to help him uh, to promote the, the customers. Right. So in that case, he could probably do it just with a virtual assistant and not use your service in that case, maybe? Or, or would there be any benefit at that point if he's no. already hiring the assistant no, to, to help it's him? It's both. So if I got him a job, now what I do is I actively go to networking events and do sponsorships and you know actively market my business and, and get referrals based off of other people. So mm-hmm. that's what I do for a living. When somebody comes to me and says, they need a book published, but then I place them with a book publisher. If they need an attorney, then I would place them with the attorney. So, now if you didn't have that attorney, uh, would you do you put a list out there saying I'm looking for these virtual assistants, or you actively go out and try to find that's them? That's what I do is I reach out to the places where I'm connected, and then I'll put it out there and I'll, I'll create an RFP that says this is the position I have open. Somebody's looking for an attorney. And there'll be attorneys on my list. And so if you answer the RFP and you have time available, then you're a candidate to be placed at that point. I've got you. If you were on your list, but let's say uh, someone's phoning for a plumber and you don't have one on your list at all, do you try to create or find someone for them? Yeah. Yep. Sometimes people, my list gets preferential treatment, but if it can't be serviced from my list, I have places to reach out to people. And now, if they hire one of your virtual assistants, uh, are they? Is there some kind of guarantee of the quality of that person, or how do you fit in if you know if something goes south, whatever? That's a big defining um, differentiator in my business. Yes, there is a guarantee. Is that first? It's the strategic way that I do this that gives me that eHarmony moniker, right? Okay. Secondly, if if you did not have a good experience with a virtual assistant, I fix it all. So that comes at a cost to myself. 
So it beho- it's incentivizes the whole deal to say, let me make sure I get you the right person. Right. And, so you won't, yeah, okay. and I'm not very tolerant of people working under my name that don't provide excellent service. So if there was ever a problem with a virtual assistant, they know that if they're not making my people happy, that's the end of the gravy train for them. And you will you will make it up to them by replacing that person, uh, whatever. I have lost battles to win the war, and you know, under the right circumstances, if there's something in any way that will culpable, I eat it. Well, that is miles ahead of most companies, I have to say. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. I've got these old school ethics. I I've been in business for 30 years, and that's what I say is I've lost battles to win the war. So let, let's just go into cost just for a minute. If so, if someone was going to hire someone that as a specialist, as an attorney for divorce, and the normal rate is $250 if they just go out and dig up an attorney on their own, how would your hourly cost compare to the going rate, let's say, of 250 the, the lawyers you have compared to them just going to the telephone book or something like Here, that? Here's what the thing is, is that when it comes to virtual assistants, there's a lot of them out there. Honestly, mm-hmm. they're not all good. Oh, I know that. So when you go on it on your own and you say, I just went out there and I found somebody for $50 or $250, whatever it is, you get, how do you know if they're good or not? A lot of my people, they don't know how Infusionsoft works. How do you possibly vet an Infusionsoft virtual assistant? I know how everything works. I'm just one of those brains that I get the whole thing. And I could actually do everything myself, and I refuse to do any of it. So I broker the whole thing, but I lend all of my expertise to the process. If you were going to pay $250 for that attorney, you would pay $250 coming through me. So you're not paying more. The point is is that... You are about where the market is for any job. Let me put it that exactly. way. Exactly. That's, that's the whole point. The fee comes out of the middle. So it's not like people are paying extra to come to the virtual assistant collaborative. They're paying the same thing anyway. So you're not, you're not uh, discount employees. You're regular price employees with a guarantee. Exactly. And then here's the thing, though, is that people have to be very careful about shopping just for cost. When you're an entrepreneur... There's so many more costs involved than that front number. Because if you had somebody who wasn't reputable and they were $50 less an hour as an attorney and you lost a million dollars. A million. Right? <laughs> you, you, got, you were worried about $50. It's not the way you need to think. And I know that's a hard sell. And, and like I said, as God is my witness, I swear, I'm not trying to get another $50 an hour out of you. I'm trying to make sure that you have the right person for the job. And that's value to me. It's all about value. Like I said with the copywriter, if I'm not doing you a service by getting you a copywriter compared to another one who could get things to sell a hundred times better. So yep. it's about finding the right people. The right people. To try yeah. and do that well, yourself. Well, my, like my neighbor, he does plastic extrusions and he's about to retire. And I said, well, the knowledge you have is worth a fortune right now. You're right up to date of what's going on. And he says, yeah, that's true. He said, you know, we, we use one of our suppliers and we saved two or 3000 bucks, but it cost us like 300000 because it was such a mess. Where he said, I could help someone get into the plastic exclusion business and give them, let, you, let them know what suppliers are good and which ones aren't. And that, you know, is worth 300000 in the end. <laughs> There you go. See what I'm saying? So the value people have who get out of corporate America or some some industry or some specialty, there's so many ways that you can provide value to other people. That's what I was telling my neighbor. I says, I says you're right on the top of your game. And I says, if you wait for a year and take it easy for a year, you'll probably your value will drop 80 percent because you've you know a whole bunch of new processes are in place, and you need to start exercising your expertise today. You're you're retiring at the end of the month. You have no time to fool around because your value will drop daily. Is what what I was thinking. I don't know. And, and here's an interesting thing. You know, I just ran into three kids, three young handsome gentlemen on spring break on the beach yesterday. They were oh, yeah. all in school, and I said, "You guys thinking about your future yet?" And they said, "No." Well, they were all so good looking. All had great smiles. Clearly, they were intelligent, as I can tell the way people are carrying themselves. And so we were talking about what they want to do. And we got into the conversation. I said, did you realize that one one guy thought, well, I think I'll be a therapist. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, one thing you have to be mindful of is what is your day going to hold for you when you become a therapist? 
he was a little gregarious and I'm like, do you want to sit behind a, a desk and or on a chair and listen to people's problems all day long in a, in a small office? Is that, you know, some people might like that. That may be is that fun for you. And, and, and is that what you want to do? Because if it is, then great, you're on track. I said, or are you just interested in mindset and psychology and you'd rather go out and talk to people and maybe network and be on stage and, you know, hang out. And I said, do you realize how much money people get to speak when they have knowledge? So I said, I've gotten paid to speak my whole life. And I, I laugh because my grade school reports were always excellent student but talks too damn much, right? Mm-hmm. I was in Israel, and I got paid to, to go to Israel to talk to people. And I, I stayed there and took some tours, and I fell asleep on the bus, and I woke up in downtown Nazareth. I said, oh, where are we going? They said, you're going to the house where Jesus Christ grew up. And I said, are you kidding me? I didn't even think about a house where Jesus Christ grew up. Mm-hmm. It was a phenomenal time. And I thought, people paid me to come here because I speak. And I said, you know, people can make a lot of money. When you have knowledge, like your neighbor, you mm-hmm. could go to conventions and get paid yes. to keynote speak. You know, there's somebody I know who he's he's got this one signature talk that he does. And it's probably less than an hour. He gets paid $35,000 to deliver it. Same speech. He's been delivering the same speech for 10 years. Evergreen speech, that one. Exactly. So so even at that, sometimes you don't even really need to be a business. You just need to figure out how to become a speaker about what you know. Well, that's super, Mary. And this has been a great conversation. And I, I thank you for taking, letting us talk together for an hour because we've gained a lot of knowledge here. So just the last few words, what, what would you like to say to the folks? I would like to say life's not over. Get off the couch. Go explore. Come talk to me. I love helping people figure out what to do with their lives. How I love helping people who help people. All right. I, I look forward to hopefully in a few months or a year speaking to you again to see how things are going. Uh, I'd like to you know keep in, in contact with you and thank you for for all your help and I will putting be putting all that in the show notes so people can find you if they didn't get it here during the broadcast and just thanks again and you just have a a great week and and thank you for your help Mary and thank you so much and thank you for what you do thank you all right okay bye now thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started, you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.